Let me get you to a reporter. I'm Kelsey Landis. I'm Lexi Cortez. And I'm Kaylee Johnson. You're listening to 61 and Explained, a podcast that takes you behind the headlines and into our newsroom in Southern Illinois. Uh, today we have a really special episode because President Donald Trump was in the Metro East on July 26th to visit the Granite City Steel Mill. And uh, Kelsey and Lexi and Joseph Bustos were all there. Um, they all worked on the stories and videos from Trump's trips. So they're here to explain kind of what they saw, what they heard from the president, from protesters, from supporters, and kind of talk about how it was to go behind the scenes of like when national news is kind of colliding with our local news. So Lexi, you were there at the airport or, you know, when Trump landed. So can you tell me a little bit about your experience? Well, an interesting anecdote from the day was actually on the bus before we even got to the to the tarmac where Trump was going to be landing, and there was a lot of time, downtime between uh, us actually getting there because we had a deadline, and if we missed it, we didn't get to participate in the yeah in seeing the president land. Um, in between that and him actually arriving, he was late also. Um, so there's just a lot of just reporters um, doing their thing, interacting with each other. There happened to be one intern who was assigned to cover the president's landing, which is pretty cool in and of itself. That would have been a, a cool day if you just stopped there. But then on the bus, he gets a phone call and gets a job offer. Really? <laughs> yeah. And the, the photographer who was working with him, who is actually a professional photographer in the newsroom that he was interning in, starts snapping photos and draws my attention over to what's happening. Why is he taking pictures of this kid on the phone? Um, and then he shouts, you're gainfully employed. And that's, that's how I officially know what happened. Um, so, yeah. That's so great. Well, good for him. That's so cool that you got to see that mm -hmm. happen. And so you said you were at the tarmac, and so the president was a little late arriving? Yeah, and there was a lot of time of us just, like, trying to figure out, okay, which direction is he going to be coming from? Which, where should we set up? Uh, there were another, other people using just their phones, like me, um, there was also a, like a little stage for people who had uh, tripods and bigger cameras and you know the the hardened TV reporters who this was like no big deal to them it seemed like they've done this this kind of thing before all the people down on my level with the with the iPhone seemed a little bit more nervous um, I definitely was all day I would say my anxiety level was way up had you ever covered anything like that Lexi no I have not and in this situation it was like if you weren't ready with your camera up you were gonna miss it and what a thing to miss the president landing <laughs> and I mean just yeah yeah it's, like, it's like one of those things that's one take yeah you know, you only have one shot at it I did not stop hitting record as soon as I saw the plane and it was really just a light in kind of a foggy um, atmosphere that we had we were rained on slightly uh, we were really worried that it was gonna be a lot worse what with, time with the what weather. time did he actually land I was scared you were going to ask me that. I, I don't know that I was paying attention, to be honest. <laughs> I think it was early afternoon. Yeah, yeah because yeah. so he was scheduled to land at 1.30, and we were told at about 1.24 he had actually left his destination, so he was nowhere near going to make that 1.30 He was plan. in Dubuque, Iowa, right? Mm -hmm. A yes. couple of hours away by plane. Yeah, he was doing another event talking to, uh, about workforce development mm -hmm. in Iowa um, um, during this trip. So... 
I mean, what were your feelings? I mean, were you just pure journalist mode when he starts stepping off the plane? You're making sure you're getting photos. Did you have like a moment where you were like, I'm seeing the president in person? I mean, what, what was that like? Well, it was kind of cool to, because I was just completely silent, you know, just hit record for, it was a 15 minute, the whole thing that, that happened. So that's kind of cool to know that like, that experience took 15 minutes what, <laughs> with him, like him two him, hours of waiting from no from seeing the plane to the last car in his motorcade leaving the the tarmac area 15 minutes exactly wow. they're wow. so efficient and quick wow. yeah it, well it did feel like it took a long time between you know the press comes off the back of the plane and that was sort of interesting to watch you know the national news media come into our town and then Trump finally comes out and, and waves, and he makes his way very slowly down because you know you definitely don't want to trip. Right. So I could I could feel for the president in, in that respect. Now, who got off the plane with him? Who was there with them? Uh, Mike Bost came off the plane behind him, a Republican congressman, uh, represents this area, and then his daughter, Ivanka, was also on the plane with him. And it was a moment where I was kind of watching through my iPhone screen. Um, I tried to make sure that I looked over the top uh, without moving my hands too much so that I could actually experience the moment in real time, not only seeing it through my iPhone. Right, right. It's one of those things that how often does a president come to your area? Now, we may see it a little bit more being where we are on the border between Illinois and Missouri and the presidents will be coming to this area just because of what the politics are in Missouri and, and this area. Mm-hmm. But for most people, it's a once-in-a-lifetime thing. Right, and so, okay, so Lexi, you saw him get off the plane, you see him arrive. Kelsey and Joseph, you were actually there. Can you tell us why the president was here and where he was at? Uh, so he came to speak at the Granite City Steel Mill. Um, Granite City Works. Yeah, yeah, in, Granite in, City Works Steel In Granite Mill. City, in, Illinois. Yeah, so... A few years ago, Granite City had to idle its plant because uh, U.S. Steel wasn't seeing as much demand for their product, and there was uh, almost several, a couple thousand people who, who lost their jobs and were out of work for two years. So, and uh, a few months ago, President Trump announces tariffs on foreign steel, and a week after those tariffs were announced. Uh, U.S. Steel announced that Granite City Works was going to be firing up again, and they're going to bring back 500 jobs. And so just to put this into context a little bit, this was Trump's third visit to a Midwestern city in the past week. He started off his week in Kansas City, Missouri, and then went to Dubuque to talk about uh, workforce um, issues, workforce development issues. But in Kansas City, he had a similar agenda to his um, his mission in Granite City, which was to promote these tariffs. And in Granite City, he had to, he asked people for patience because while roughly 800 steel workers, 500 have already gotten their jobs back, and an additional 300 will get their jobs back by October. U.S. Steel has said. Um, Area farmers are also hurting because of these tariffs, namely because China and other countries uh, have imposed retaliatory tariffs against the the tariffs on imported steel. So the the retaliatory tariffs are primarily affecting farmers, and farmers in this area have said, we we talked to one farmer who was there to protest yesterday in Granite City from Montgomery County, who said she has seen her income drop by about 35%. Right. And she says 
the tariffs are simply not popular with her. And so that was part of Trump's agenda was to go to these different areas, predominantly farming areas that are mixed, that's mixed with manufacturing as well, to say, be patient, I'm working on this. We're trying to get long-term trade deals done so that we can make life for farmers and for steel workers and manufacturers better in the long run. I think one of the things that was key to this trip was on Tuesday, President Trump, Tuesday before the visit, uh, he announced a $12 billion emergency aid package for farmers affected by tariffs. Um, Farmers would prefer open markets. They, a lot of them keep saying, I don't want a bailout. I just want to be able to sell my product. And I think that's, that is a, an interesting wrinkle to this story. Um, I'm going to be promoting these steel jobs coming back, and I'm trying to do something for, for farmers at the same time. Right. And so, yeah, so we kind of talked about farmers kind of have, uh, you know, conflicting feelings about these tariffs. What was the general feeling um, that you guys got in Granite City um, about the president's visit? I understand there were some protesters, some counter-protesters, so can you tell me... You know, if there, if there were more on one side, what was the general consensus there? Well, early on in the day, it seemed like there were more uh, supporters of the president there in downtown Granite City. We saw, we talked to plenty of, of supporters who were there, and naturally there are going to be more supporters because they're in Granite City where these tariffs have made a serious, tangible difference. Businesses are doing better because people are back on the job. They're going out to lunch. They're buying things. They have a more disposable income. So naturally, there were plenty of supporters there, no shortage of supporters. But there were also protesters, too. Um, I think in the beginning, there were a little bit fewer protesters uh, at Civic Park there in Granite City. I think later in the day, they increased a little bit. By the time we left, everyone had cleared out. But what do you think, Joseph? Do you think it was equal? It was. About? I mean, I mean, I think um, it may have been maybe 60-40, um, the, the the protesters uh, got there a little bit later, um, but once we started talking to them, once the press started showing up, it seemed like they saw, oh, the press is here. Let's time for us to arrive. Right. Um, so I, I think it. It may have been a little bit more supporters than protesters, but they kept them mostly separate from each other. The supporters were along the motorcade route outside the outside the steel mill, and the protesters were by Civic Park, which is probably about a block and a half, two blocks away. And so you guys had to go through an application process to get into the mill and see the president's speech. I'm really curious about that process. I mean, what do you have to present and in order to get into that event, Kelsey? Uh, it, it was pretty easy. We got an email from uh, the White House staff asking us to submit an application for credentials. So we sent our names and our basic information, and, and I think pretty much everybody who applied was approved. So once we were approved, they sent us the detailed information about where we needed to park. And similar to Lexi's experience, we parked then they loaded us onto a shuttle, and it was a nice shuttle too. It was yeah, like it, it, it was, was actually, it might be a party bus on the weekend. Yeah, definitely <laughs> a party bus on the weekend. So we got onto the shuttle, and then they shuttled us to the actual steel mill where the the speech was being held in a warehouse there. 
So once we got to the warehouse, they got us off the shuttle, directed us in to a sort of TSA airport-like checkpoint where we had to take, just like at the airport, you have to take all the metal out of your pockets, take off your, your watch or whatever, and your cell phone. And that was operated by Secret Service agents who tore through my entire backpack. I mean, oh, not wow. literally, but they were thorough. They checked every single tiny pocket in my backpack and they waved us down with the wand. And uh, they were, it was it was easy, it was swift, but also thorough, very thorough. Yeah, I, I had been through similar security, Secret Service security checks before in other, other political events. So you get used to it after a while. Make sure all your keys are out and that you're not gonna set off the metal detector and um, try to put everything that you have into your bag so they can look look through it. But I had my laptop with me, so they, the one of the agents pulled out my laptop. I go, oh, gosh, I hope he doesn't open it up and he's fumbling around with it. And he's like, it went through fine. So, but, well, and once we got in too, we they kept us separate from all of the attendees who were at the rally. How many would you say? Joseph. At the rally, mm-hmm. it, was, it was about 500 people. Invitation only. Right? In, in, invitation only. That's very key. These events are invitation only. So. So all the protesters and supporters are lining the streets outside, getting as close as they possibly can to the president. Right, Lexi. Yeah. And so the president's speech, about 40 minutes long. Uh, a little actually, bit longer. It was, a, was, it longer? It was scheduled for 30 to 45 minutes. My recorder clocked him at 52. Okay. So were there applause breaks? There were applause breaks. <laughs> that'll and that'll he, make it longer. It was also supposed to be a teleprompter speech, and he went into other topics that weren't about steel. So. It, the interesting thing about President Trump is that, and this is one thing that supporters love about him, and this is something I heard from steel workers that I talked to, said, you know, what do you like about the president? They say they love him. I said, what do you love about him? And, and one steel worker I talked to said, well, he says whatever's on his mind. He says whatever he wants, which was very evident in his speech because you could tell in the beginning he, just by the tone of his voice and the way that he was speaking, you could tell that he was reading from the teleprompter. About 10 minutes in, that all kind of goes to the wind and he and then he goes off on his own uh, his own speech. Yeah. And, and you could call it a tangent. It was... Uh, difficult sometimes to keep track. So, sometimes it was easy. He would stay on one topic for a couple of minutes, but especially later on in the speech, before he went back on the teleprompter for the um, the conclusion of his speech, you could tell that he was kind of just going to whatever came into his mind. So it might be North Korea one minute, it might be immigration and ICE the next minute. So it was difficult to follow at points. But from what I heard from his supporters, that's something they love. There was no shortage of applause. The attendees stood the entire time, the entire 50 minutes. They didn't sit down. And and Trump very uh, handily noted that the press couldn't say that there weren't any standing ovations because, in fact, every single instance of applause was a standing ovation because they never sat down. So, was that the only time that he mentioned the press? Or how was your experience with being referred to by the president when uh, he's right in front of you? I mean, it, it, it's what you expected. You're fake news media. Or look at all these cameras that are following me. Obama never got all these cameras. Like, I, any presidential visit is going to have lots of cameras. And there's one center camera that's 
right on them, but every other outlet that's there will have a video camera that's pointed at them. So there probably was a good 20, 30 media outlets there, maybe more than that. And and just probably about, I, I'd say every, there was a probably half a dozen mentions of, of the media in, in his speech. And I was expecting that. I wasn't sure how I would feel when I've always been on the outside looking in and, and, and hearing the president dismiss our careers and our trade and, and my you know fellow reporters and other organizations. So I was very curious going in to not knowing exactly how I would feel to actually be subject to that kind of language. I wasn't as offended as I thought I was going to be. I almost consider it a badge of honor, almost a challenge to continue to do what we're doing. And I don't think he really means it. Mm-hmm. I, I got the feeling that it's it was almost fun, you know, which is disturbing in a way because you worry, well, what if he really does mean it and he really does want to see the media disappear? But then he would also say things like, the cameras are here, but the reporters, they've got to stream this no matter what, so there's nothing they can do about it. So we're still getting out our message. And I thought, well, that's true. You know, no matter how much you abuse, Trump abuses reporters in the media, we're still doing our jobs. And I think if he has any respect for the media, he, he recognizes in that way that he, he can't do without us either. As much as he hates us, he can't do without us because regardless of what our analysis is and regardless of what we say and fact check, we're still getting the message out. And what I got from his speech was that we need to, we need to keep doing that. And, and I think it's essential. And I think he recognizes it as, as essential. What kind of fact-checking did you guys do live at the event? So he made a mention during his speech that Granite City Steel is bringing back a 1,000 jobs, or nearly a 1,000 jobs. It's 800 jobs by October. Um, and I think that was like an initial one that I did right away, uh, covering the paper had been covering the steel mill for two years, more than two years. So as this news is coming in, we become quasi-experts as much as we can be. Um, on the steel mill so like I knew that right away and tweeted out right away that he was this is what the president just said the company has said it's up to 800 jobs by October right well I'm glad you mentioned that that the paper has been covering the steel mill for you know it's the fact that it was idle we've been covering that for two years we've been covering it before that so there was a story recently when it started back up again about how much impact Trump's tariffs had on the steel mill opening up again. Can you guys talk about that a little bit, Kelsey? Sure, sure. So uh, when these tariffs were first announced, shortly thereafter, U.S. Steel rehired, announced that they would rehire 500 workers at the Granite City Works plant. So we wrote a story basically analyzing how much impact do these tariffs really have on rehiring those jobs and we found that according this was from u.s steel uh, reports it's a publicly traded company so they're required to report major um, economic impacts to their company and major economic decisions that they're making and financial reporting so we found that the market conditions were in fact favorable and had been favorable for some time for U.S. Steel in Granite City. 
So it seems like the tariffs, one person that we talked to, was it the uh, labor, a labor leader? Yeah, he was a union leader. Uh, the union leader said. Local and union I, president. Dan Simmons. Yeah. Right, that's right. He said that the tariffs were the ice, quote, the icing on the cake. So it was kind of the final windfall that the company needed to bring back these jobs. So we challenged the idea that the tariffs and Trump's administration's tariffs were the only factor in bringing back these jobs, which isn't necessarily true. There were other factors that played into it. I think another sign that the company had been looking at this and planning this for a little bit of a while was they uh, extended their credit line to like $1.5 billion. And that's something you don't do overnight. That's something that takes a while to plan out and getting a bank to, to agree to loan you, to be able to loan you that, that much money. And you don't decide on bringing back 500 jobs in a week. You have to be prepared, okay, how much is there, are we looking at? Do you think we have the demand to make this happen? How are we gonna bring these people back? So how many people do we need to, uh, at the plant at, at a particular time? So these decisions take time. And I think it's some some members of Granite City, or of US Steel, so that it's a lot of factors that help that help bring back these jobs. But yesterday, uh, during the president's speech, David, uh, David Burrick, the CEO, said that we gotta thank the president for his policies, so. Right, and I mean, Kelsey, you talked to a lot of the Granite City workers who either got their jobs back, their coworkers got their jobs back, and how do they feel about it? I mean, from my understanding, they all seemed pretty strictly just grateful to the president. Well, it should be noted, and we noted it earlier, that the people who were invited to the speech were most likely supporters of the president. So it's likely that the people that we talked to were selected because they have a favorable opinion of the tariffs. I'm sure that there are, you know, there amount of workers that were there was a fraction of the total workers who are employed at Granite City Works. So we have to keep that in mind. That said, they have a simple love for their leader and they credit him almost entirely with with this. Although they are intelligent and they recognize that the market forces have an effect on on, on their trade. But the workers that I talked to gave him gave him credit. I think part of it, though, is also people tend to vote with their pocketbook. If I'm doing well financially, I'm going to give credit to the guy who's there right now. So uh, I, I spoke to some steel workers a few weeks, a few weeks ago, and when we were standing outside the, the steel mill, a lot of people said, yeah, I'm glad for these tariffs. I'm glad that we're back in business. I'm glad I got my job back. Yeah, and I mean, from my perspective, I, I didn't actually go to the event. Um, I stayed in the office, and I made calls to businesses surrounding the steel mill out of curiosity of how they were feeling about Trump coming, you know, if their businesses were going to be open, et cetera. And I talked to about nine businesses surrounding the, uh, the steel mill, and every business I talked to, they had this, it seemed like there was a, a pride in Granite City and the fact that the president was taking notice of it. And all of them just seemed very excited the president was coming. They were saying things like, he's bringing jobs back to our area. This area has been hit so hard and, um, you know, things like that. And there was an interesting interview I did, actually, with the owner of Cool Beans Cafe. It's right next to the steel mill. Um, her name is Victoria. 
And I called just out of the blue just to ask, are you going to be open? Are you worried about the protests, et cetera? And she told me an interesting story about how she was a little nervous because she had been, quote unquote, her words, outed as a Trump supporter on Facebook by some of the protesters. And she was saying she was now nervous because she is right across the street from where protesters were gathering. She was nervous they were going to single her out um, and attack her coffee shop for her supposed support of Trump, which I should note, I asked her if she supported Trump and she said, you know, I don't think you can fully support any one person and all their actions. She said the only person she supports fully is Jesus Christ. <laughs> and she when, wanted to be open specifically to kind of give a message to protesters that she wasn't going to be scared away. But it, it was interesting talking to a couple of those business owners. Um, you know, all of them were pretty excited just to have a president in the area. So. What did you guys see from protesters? Was it largely peaceful? Did they seem to be, um, did they want to talk to the supporters and maybe change their minds? And what kind of signs did you read? That's always exciting when you have protesters and they have to get their message out in a few words on a sign. Yeah, I mean, I look back at my photos. Well, Kelsey, <laughs> did you see something really interesting with the protesters? Well, yeah, there was pretty a, a remarkable uh balloon, I guess you could call it, an inflatable giant chicken that had, and I think one of our savvy editors uh, wrote the the title for the the, the cut line for the photo as uh, Trump-like hair, so on the this inflatable chicken. So that was pretty uh, interesting to see going up. Uh, other protesters, there was a group called the, it's called Action Metro East, which is an anti-Trump group that was formed immediate, almost immediately after the elections. I spoke with a woman from Godfrey who is in that group who was saying that they were there to be peaceful. They didn't intend to leave the park. They didn't intend to interact with the counter-protesters whatsoever. They were simply there to express their dissatisfaction with the Trump administration. So it seemed very peaceful. I did see a couple of fellas who looked like they were there to maybe cause some trouble, some Trump supporters. I spoke with, the only reason I say that is because the police, the Granite City Police, a couple of officers came up to talk to them to see what they were doing as Trump supporters in the protester camp. But they were from what everything that I heard, they were peaceful too. The only reason I thought that maybe they were there to cause trouble was that I asked them what they were up to and they said, we're immediately, we're not gonna start anything unless they do. And I thought, well, <laughs> you know, what are you really doing here then? <laughs> but I, I think I saw uh, one of the St. Louis Post-Dispatch reporters tweet something about a small argument between a supporter and a protester other than that, I believe things remained relatively peaceful. We had to leave kind of early to get into the to the warehouse for the speech, but we had Steve Nagy, one of our photographers, stay there at the protests, and he he didn't report anything crazy happening. Um, I think I think it just seemed like an American celebration, to be honest. Everyone was there expressing their opinion and having a good time to be honest especially the supporters were it was a party-like atmosphere and the protesters too like there was some drums yeah there was some... a drum uh, there was a guy i think it was trying to start a drum circle <laughs> at the protesters. so whenever a president comes to town it becomes like a carnival or a circus-like atmosphere and they are as long as people behave themselves these are actually fun events
All right, guys. Well, is there anything else that you want yeah, to Yeah, one, one more fact-checking thing that I – a couple of fact-checking things I want to get in there. Uh, President Trump in recent speeches has said that U.S. Steel is planning on, re, on opening or expanding – Seven to, in yester in yesterday's speech, he said seven factories, and in previous speeches, he has said six factories. So yesterday, he said he thinks Granite or U.S. Steel is planning on reopening or expanding seven plants. We cannot find any indication that there's any truth to that. In a story by the Washington Post from late June, they attempted to get a U.S. Steel spokesperson to confirm that. The spokesperson did not confirm that. She said she merely pointed to the reports on U.S. Steel's website that detail their financial dealings. Like I said early, earlier, they're a publicly traded company. They're required to report certain financial transactions. And the most recent w announcement that they have on their website is pertaining to Granite City Works and the 500 jobs and eventually 800 jobs that they're bringing back. So there is no indication that there are any other plants that are opening or expanding, at, le at least that we know of. If anybody does know of that, please call me and so we can <laughs> report on it because that would be very interesting to us. We couldn't find any indication of that. The other thing is that President Trump claimed that he won the women's vote in, in his election. Uh, that is partly true. He won the majority of votes with white women. However, he did not win the overall vote with women when you include minorities. So those are just two fact-checking things that I wanted to get. I also wanted to talk about the politics of this event. Granite City is in the Illinois 12th Congressional District. It's also pretty close to the Illinois uh, 13th Congressional District. The Illinois 12th is considered a toss-up, currently represented by Congressman Mike Boss. He's getting a really good challenge from our local state's attorney, uh, Brendan Kelly. Democrat. And uh, the Illinois 13th is considered one of those lean Republican districts, but it's uh, another district that's been being targeted by the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee. So during the speech yesterday, uh, President Trump was sure to give praise to Congressman Boss and Congressman Davis. And then later in the speech, he said, folks, you got to vote Republican. Now, this is a was an official event. It wasn't really supposed to be political. You weren't going to get too much campaigning, but whenever a president speaks, he sometimes will, and it's true about any party, um, they will say, give a plug for their guys. So Congressman Bost, um, this is helpful for him. He's got steel, steel jobs that came back to his district. That is something for him to, to run on. And um, even though the president only mentioned him twice during the speech. Those two times will probably help Congressman Boss in, in November. So it was really interesting. After the speech, Brendan Kelly held a town hall in Granite City at a labor union hall. Interesting. Yeah, it's always so interesting to me anytime national politics has a play in our local politics, you know, we're used to reporting on all of our local goings on and seeing the national news, and now it's just kind of colliding. So, well, great coverage, you guys, Lexi, Kelsey, and Joseph. Thank you so much for talking about that. And uh, catch us next time on 618 Explained. You can go onto our Facebook page, leave comments, talk about what you want to see next. You can also go on our Twitter at, I always forget, guys. 
Belleville News D. That's the one. So <laughs> thanks so much, guys. And thanks check for out playing moderator, Kaylee. No problem. And thanks to Derek, our producer, who's <laughs> helping us with the audio today. Thanks, guys. Thanks. thanks.